0: Alan and Tina had been married for 13 months, but the relationship was a rocky one. There was little trust, little selflessness, and not much that was healthy. One day, Tina discovered that she was pregnant. Not wanting to disrupt her new law career, and afraid of motherhood, she secretly got an abortion. A year later, when Alex found out, he exploded and walked out. A year after that, Tina and Alex were divorced. Five years later, Tina became a believer in Jesus Christ, but continues to struggle with one major hurdle. I know that the Lord has forgiven me for killing my unborn child, she says, but I just can't forgive myself. And so many of us are stuck here in the same place as Tina was, stuck in self-condemnation. We know what we did, what we shouldn't have done. We know the words that we said that really hurt someone. We know how we let ourselves down or how we let God down. And now we carry the shame and the guilt of it and carry its effects on ourselves, on our health, on our relationships. What do we do? Well, I'm so glad that you chose to came, come here today, and because we're going to answer this question, how can I forgive myself? How can I forgive myself? To begin, open your Bibles where Doug just read, if, if they're not still open, to Psalm 103. And if you didn't get sermon notes, I'm going to ask you, just like I did last week, to please, even if you don't normally get them, raise your hand and let Chris give you one, because we're going to go work through something Today. That I would love everybody to have this on your, on your lap today. Just raise your hand and he'll get you one. Well, God has done so much in our forgiveness series already this far. I've just heard story after story that have me just terribly praising God and grateful for what he's done in us and through us. But forgiveness is something that we need to receive as well as give And that starts with this, forgiving ourselves. When one survey asked, who wounded you the deepest in your life? 30% of the people who answered said, it's me. Me. And we all have in our past, failures, sins, harms that we've committed, addictions, crimes, maybe abortions. Abandonment of people. It's Halloween today. Maybe you've had part in the occult that keeps coming back up. Bitterness, attitudes and actions, ways that we've hurt other people. We all have them. We all have them. And so the question is, how do we forgive ourselves? How do I forgive myself? And just like last week's question, which was, how do I forgive them? And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back. And wrestle with that. But just like we approached that topic last week, we're going to approach this, this the same. We have one overarching question, how do I forgive myself? And to answer that, we are going to answer by looking at scripture's answer to several other questions. So you'll see those under your notes and on the screen. The first one of five questions today that we'll a- answer on our way to answering our big question is this, is it biblical to talk about forgiving myself? This is the right place to start with this subject because, guess what? There is no verse in Scripture that says directly to forgive yourself. Okay? That's significant. And we need to be wary of this world. People are correct to be wary of this wording. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself because it sounds like at face value, pop culture or secular counseling, both of those which I urge you to stay far away from. Forgive yourself. Biblically, as we study the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we see the necessity, hear this, we see the necessity of coming to complete awareness and full acceptance of Jesus' forgiveness, And to fully obey Jesus' command, to forgive everyone without limit, 70 times 7. Limitless. Everyone. This logically and theologically includes ourselves. We must find that complete forgiveness toward ourselves. Just understand that this is based entirely on Christ's work on the cross, not by our own works. Got that? Not our own efforts. This isn't our own self-help. You see, the true gospel is that, listen, the true gospel is that we are wretched sinners, and God's grace is amazing. Amen? Amen. The American gospel today is that we are amazing, and that God should want to give us what we want. That's a, that's a false gospel, and it doesn't, it doesn't answer the question. It doesn't set us free. Jesus sets us free, and when he sets you free, you are free indeed. So get this right. This is about Jesus' works, not ours, but the fact is that the fact is that we Christians often just never enjoy the fullness of a clear conscience that we are free to enjoy. And the devil has a victory in your life. We don't want that. When we hold on to guilt and shame from the past, that scorns Jesus and his gospel that set us free. So we're overcoming that today. Now consider Psalm 103 with your Bibles open there. We were created to worship God. Why do we exist? One of the overarching questions of human humanity. We were created to worship God. We have a soul that longs to know its creator and worship God. We were created to worship God. When we wrestle with guilt and shame in the past, that stifles our worship of God. It like throws a wet blanket over our fire of worship for God, why we were created. So we want to remove that blanket today, and God willing, God, God willing, he will allow that. He has certainly, by his grace, given us the power and truth for that. Let's look in Psalm 103. Grasp this scripture. We have a God-given right to be free from all guilt and shame through his forgiveness. Psalm 103, starting in verse 1 and 2, I just want to repeat this scripture. Blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This is uh, full surrendered worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Let's see what the first benefit is. Verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquity. All your guilt. See these absolute terms that God uses. Receive those. Now, the psalmist continues, picking up in verse 6, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 11 and 12, No, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love ...toward those who fear him, who seek Jesus. Verse 12, promise, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. If you are burdened with your past, I'm talking about Christ followers here, people who have trusted Jesus and received his forgiveness, his salvation, his eternal life, which I pray is you, my friend. If you are burdened with your past, any shame, any guilt then you haven't you either haven't come to fullness of faith and, and trust in Jesus Christ and he hasn't saved you from it yet and so pay attention if that's you or if he you have and he has you just need to accept the truth that God proclaims in the strongest of possible terms i forgive you we must find that freedom in his forgiveness and be able to forgive ourselves today and today you can. That's question number one. This is absolutely biblical in those terms. So let's look at question number two and the story and the example of the Apostle Paul from Scripture. This is my personal biggest Bible hero, the Apostle Paul. His life is a testimony to this very truth. Let's see it as that. So, question number two what must we forget? The past. We must forget the past. Let's begin this victorious statement that Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 3. And then consider his past as he wrote these words. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Hear this. He writes to the church in Philippi. This is how God sovereignly uses his holy scripture. Spirit-filled, living, breathing word of God. He's speaking to you. To you. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So sin and failures and mistakes and harm, as humans we have many. You know what we need to do with them? We need to leave them in the past. He says, forgetting what lies behind. Leave them there and forget them. Now, if you were here last week and we're really paying attention, you might be thinking, but Reg, I thought last week you said that forgiveness is not forgetting. Remember that? Because it's impossible to forget. Very good. Good job remembering last week. Forgiveness is not forgetting, that's impossible. It's choosing not to recall, choosing not to recall and use that against anyone. So why am I saying this week that forgiving myself, I must forgive the past? Well, first of all, that's what Paul said. So I have to, I have to preach that. But let me, let me define further. If you actually look at the actual Greek word he uses here, it means more than just forgetting, that, that the impossible thing to do. This word literally means to no longer care for and given over to oblivion. I love that. That's what oblivion means. I mean it's gone. That's what he means by forget, okay? He knows it's impossible to actually erase those memories. We're giving it over to oblivion. It's gone. You no longer care about it. You no longer think about it. Paul, in the strongest possible language here, says that in light of Jesus' work and his presence in you and Jesus' forgiveness of you, you must now move on. He's taken care of it. He's took it to the cross so do not be preoccupied with your past we move on this is freedom don't let the past influence any longer the person that you are today and the joy that you have today and the way that we live today can i really though i mean you don't know my past can paul really would paul really have the nerve to tell me that i can move on from what i did who is paul that I should completely move on from my past and be released from them and not be affected by them anymore whatsoever. He doesn't know what I have in my past. Let me answer that question for you. Who was this man, the, the Apostle Paul, to tell us that? Let's go back to the book of Acts. In Acts 8, we, Paul pops on the scene. Of course, his name was Paul, Saul at that time before God changed it to, to Paul. Paul. And it says here in Acts 8:3, But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Then Acts chapters 22 and 26 and other places in his writings in the epistles tell us more about Paul's life before conversion, before being saved by Jesus. It was one of sin and terror against Christians. Yes, he would travel around, kicking in doors, Finding Christians, dragging them out, either throwing them to prison or killing them, executing them. I think about how secure we feel in America. This just, we have a hard time even resonating with the fear behind something like this. Now we're seeing this in Afghanistan, and, and next week we're going to focus a little bit on the. On praying for the persecuted church. And those stories are out there, and in, in America we're insulated from that. But let me just ask you to imagine that this happens to you, you're sitting at home, you have your family or your friends over, somebody kicks down the door, it's, it's a group of people that hate Christians, and they're, they take you out, they take, well, I pictured losing my, my daughters. They take the, the girls away because we're Christians, we never see them again. I mean, think about this terror, or even worse, they take me out and kill me right in the yard in front of them. That stuff happens in the world, and that is what Paul was doing before Jesus saved him countless person he had a reputation all over the known world you think maybe when Paul comes to Christ and he has all that in his memory maybe he would have a little bit of a hard time forgiving himself moving away from these awful things that he had done to people and the answer is yes he did struggle he did In his letters, he calls himself, in Ephesians 3, the least of all the saints. In 1 Timothy 1, he says, I am the chief of sinners. In Romans 7, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. He struggled. He had a hard time. And yet, he's the one who's teaching this. Believe it in the past. We move on in total freedom. And we go forward. Because God is a God of of the future, not of the past. He is the one teaching the infinite power of the gospel to do all that the infinity of God's grace that allows us to enjoy with a clear conscience the forgiveness that God has given us. And Paul exemplifies the Jesus teaching that he who has been forgiven much loves much. And may that be all of us, all of us. And so it is Paul who teaches in Philippians 3, 13, and 14 that we can receive forgiveness and move beyond every single failure Every single sin and every single wound we've ever inflicted on anyone else or on ourselves, we can move on from it. Whether it's a known hurt or sin or whether it's a secret that we've been carrying for all these years, we can and we must release ourselves from it and watch God redeem everything that's been lost. Jesus is a great redeemer. And yes, you may have lost years of faithful service to Him or Affected people for years and yourself for years, Jesus can redeem absolutely everything and use it for the good of those who love him. Believe it. And that's our aim today. And we have everything we need to do it. And so we're going to do this here today together. Now, Paul remembered everything he did in a a literal sense, of course, but he's choosing to forget it, to give it over to oblivion in Christ. Again, I love that. Just imagine the explosion of your past. And God gave, forgave Paul, and Paul fully received it. God forgives you if you ask, and now you fully receive it. And now our small group study material, 70 times 7 from Bruce Wilkinson, asks and answers the next question, question number 3 on your notes. It says, what happens if I don't forgive myself And I wanted to include this in the sermon today, it's the slide of unforgiveness, this is so real, just for the human experience. And in the material he goes through this in in the context of forgiving other people, same slide, and then he uses it again in the context of forgiving ourselves, same slide, and virtually all of us finds ourselves in in one of these stages somewhere in this slide. As you're looking for this, let's look through it quickly. And I ask, what is it that you have had a hard time forgiving yourself for? Is it a failed marriage? Is it an abortion? Is it failures in raising your kids? Is it hurting your kids? Maybe you've hurt people at school, betrayed the trust of a friend, and lost that friendship forever. Maybe it's financial mistakes that you've made and you're so far buried. Maybe it's violent acts that you've made with your hands or a knife or a gun. Sexual actions and addictions and... Maybe it's lies that have caused great harm or molestation. You're like, I can't tell anybody about that. God can never forgive me about that. Or adultery, abusive behavior, abandoning someone who is depending on you, and you can't get that time back. Very few can hear a list like that without identifying and thinking of something in that list or related to it. So I'm talking to everybody here. Here's the slide of unforgiveness that we find ourselves in. You're likely going to find yourself somewhere on this slide. The first stage is unforgiveness. You've done a terrible thing. You have that in your past, and it's really bad. And you, it's that thing that you hate to think about. And you have flashbacks about what you've done, and it causes great pain and regret. And in your mind, forgiveness, this complete freedom that I'm talking about, it hasn't been an option. If you don't do anything with this, guess what? It doesn't just stay there. It slides. It slides. And the next stage is anger toward yourself. How could I have been so stupid? So bad. I thought I was better than that. These are some statements of someone who's angry at themselves. And that anger is mixed with depression. And like a volcano, this leads you to erupt in anger toward everybody else. And if not dealt with this, ends up... It's sliding to stage three, and that's bitterness toward yourself. Now you change from that anger to you can become hard and sullen and withdrawn. You can find yourself not liking your life, not liking your spouse, your job, your church, your neighbor, and so on. You're bitter. And to treat this internal distress, you start to consider sinful activities and inappropriate relationships to give you comfort from your torment. But those only mask the problem for a little while. If you don't get help it slides into stage four and that's slander against yourself now you're looking down at yourself i'm not worthy of anything i'm stupid i'm damaged i'm a failure And people here have a habit of saying those things toward other people as well It doesn't stay there stage five is resentment toward yourself it's it's one thing to resent others because you can avoid them But when you resent yourself, you you can never get away from yourself. It's always there. What What a trap. What a jail. Addictions become rampant in this stage. Pornography, alcoholism, drug abuse, sexual abuse, adultery, prescription drugs. Anything to distract yourself from yourself. You may be in that stage right now. You won't stay there either if you don't deal with it. Hatred is the next thing. Hatred towards yourself. And by the time that you've made it to this stage, you're convinced there's nothing good about yourself anymore. You're unlovable. You're incompetent. You can't stand to be by yourself. Yet you don't feel worthy to be by anybody else. You're tempted to practice self-destructive behavior as penance, but the payment is never made in full. Or promiscuity. Who would ever want me except for sex? It's so heartbreaking that people get this far. But there's one stage further. And that's stage seven, vengeance toward yourself. You inflict self-punishment, self-harm. You can't cope with any success on any level because you're not worthy of succeeding so you practice self-sabotage. You get fired from your job. You spend yourself into terrible debt. You break any healthy relationship time and time again. You may experiment with destructive behavior like eating disorders, cutting yourself, thinking suicidal thoughts. And I am torn emotionally because so many people are here on any of these stages. But, friends, brothers, sisters, no stage on this slide is where we should be by the love and grace of God. Stop and pray right now for yourself, for each other, and for everyone else that you know. Just just pray for 30 seconds. Would you just pray? You and God. That, by the power of Jesus, it's time to be released. So we hear this from Paul, a man who struggled with it, but grasped it. It's time to, in Jesus, forget what lies behind. And question four, what then do we Remember? Verse 13 said, again, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but he's talking about the salvation that he has. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I, here's the the statement of declaration, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What then do we remember? First, we remember to press forward forward. Again, God's a God of the future, not a God of the past. That's been one of the most reassuring statements, theological statements in my life. We must press on toward the goal. That means to pursue it relentlessly. It's time to go forward right now. We're not talking about some distant time in the future. This could be your only time that you have to do this. Right now, this moment. We forget the past. We remember to press forward each and every day. We remember Jesus, we fix our eyes on him. Then we also, point B there, is remember the prize ahead. Eyes on Jesus, eyes on the prize. What's Paul doing here as he writes these words? Let's get in the mind of of the writer who's writing these words. What is this prize that we're pressing toward that he's thinking about? Paul, as he often does, is drawing from the Olympic games of his day. Yes, the Olympics are that old I remember blew, that blowing my mind. They're even older than that. They've been around by, for a long time by then. Well, in the Olympics, the runners fixed their eyes on the finish line. That's how you run well in a race, fixing your eyes on that finish line. Focused on that goal. So he talks about this letter in his letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, he writes, For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the word, the bema of Christ. Now, what was the Bima? Remember he wrote that to the Corinthians archaeologists have unearthed the Olympic Bema in Corinth where he wrote that the people he wrote that to here's a picture. this is the judgment seat for the Olympic Games. So the judges sit on this seat we fix we, you know we fix our eyes on the prize so we'll run and get the judgment the the prize from the the judges sitting on this seat, watching over everything. He's he's using this as, to help us understand. To, to the Greeks, the Olympic were not the Olympics were not just a pastime like you know kicking on the football game and taking a nap. Um, this was this was everything. This was a life's pursuit, a passion, and to receive the reward from the judges. That this upward seat was their ultimate goal, and they pursued it relentlessly. So that's what Paul is likening us to, this relentless pursuit to live forward. That's a daily, relentless pursuit of Christ, of knowing Him, of receiving His forgiveness, of being completely set free by Him, and then of honoring Him and becoming like Him. And that is a prize, both here and in eternity by all all the authority of Jesus and God's word, forget what lies behind. Press forward to him today, knowing that you're forgiven completely by his amazing grace. Let's conclude with how. How do we do that now? How can I forgive myself? And here we have six steps. If you were here last week, this looks very familiar to last week. It's a very similar process. It is different, but here it is. And I, it's time. It's time now to experience this breakthrough. The first step there is prepare, prepare to go through the six steps. And you see three boxes on your notes and I'm just going to encourage you to just write one or maybe two at the most things for right now you can take more time on this later in your own personal time you can take hours you can take time in your small groups that go into this further and in, in the context of relationships as well but you can get started now or maybe you can get completed now right first box what did you do that wounded yourself and how did you feel about that and go ahead and name Those that you wounded and the wounds that you've inflicted that have in turn caused you such shame and guilt. What did you do to those people? How did you wound them? How do you feel about that? Now, you can write this down or again, use code or just think. Our our minds are vivid. And with that, Six steps. Step one, open your heart to forgive yourself. You've heard the biblical truth. You know the cost that Jesus paid for this, you know how he views you. Don't scorn his sacrifice and his promises by not accepting them for yourself. Don't destroy your life and your witness. Any longer. Open your heart to forgive yourself. If your heart has been closed tight from a willingness to forgive yourself, it's time to open that door right now. Open it right now, and then to extend that compassion to yourself as a person. You're made in the image of God, you deserve compassion as well. Until today, you may have lacked mercy and compassion toward yourself because of all the terrible things that you've done. We all have, but Jesus gave His grace to overcome it if you've trusted in Him. And if you have, then Jesus demands, as I have forgiven you, as I have given you compassion, so you give compassion to yourself right now. So your heart prison is open. You're extending Jesus' compassion to you. Step three, release yourself from your inner heart prison and set yourself free. Here's a prayer. Pray. If you don't know what else to say, pray this. God, I hereby officially open the doors of my heart prison and join you In setting myself free, I will no longer hold myself in contempt for what I've done. I accept the reality of your loving grace and forgiveness instead. Now picture yourself on the outside of your heart's prison, weeping no longer with guilt, but weeping with joy that you're finally free. No longer a resident in your own heart prison. Now again, we're looking at being comprehensive here, following God's will. So step four, forgive yourself for each sin, mistake, and wound. Remember that forgiveness needs to include every one, every sin, every mistake, every wound. Or otherwise, they're going to keep creeping back in. Make sure you get them all. So pray, God, I I receive your forgiveness for all the wounds I caused to you, others, and myself. Whether it was a mistake or a major sin, I accept your forgiveness and choose to forgive myself completely and to heal completely from, now identify, each sin, mistake, and wound that you caused. Each and every one. Now, this is a good feeling at this point. There's still a lot of life to be lived. So step five is to apologize and make restoration to those who need it. Here's a prayer to get you started. Again, if you don't know what else to say, say this to God right now. God, in humility and as appropriate, help me to help the people I've wounded to forgive me and release me from any and all debt and trespasses I committed. We're asking for God's help here as we go forward with this. With this freedom and and what it means to our lives. Now, if you need to, now go back to last week's message and review what we learned some wisdom about when you should and shouldn't approach somebody that you've heard in the past. And so by all wisdom... If you, if you need counsel here, it's w- widely available to you in the church. But a- evaluate, do I need to go and, and ask anyone's forgiveness and make things right? Because now, now you have the freedom to do it. And remember, reconciliation is different than forgiveness. And now we can seek that. And step six then is to confess your sins to God and ask him to bless you abundantly because this is the fullness of it of the freedom that we have in, in forgiveness is to be blessed by God and, and used by Him and very close in relationship to Him. So here's a prayer that we're going to conclude with here. I'll pray, this, I'll pray this with you and then I have a couple, couple final things to say. Would you join me in this prayer, dear God? I confess to you my sins of unforgiveness toward myself. Yes, that is a sin. Any anger or bitterness against myself, any slander against myself, any resentment or self-hatred, any desire to make myself pay for what I've done, even if I wasn't even aware of it. God, I accept the fact that Christ paid for my sins. I now realize that my self-inflicted suffering Was not your will. Please forgive me. I thank you that you promised you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. I thank you that you promised Psalm 103 12. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. Please bless me in all areas of my life as I no longer have unforgiveness in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer or anything like it, you need to realize that neither God nor you need to be irritated any longer with those things in the past. And he rejoices with you to see it all end. But again, there's still a lot more work to be done in the Christian life. We're still in spiritual warfare we still struggle with bad habits, addictions, temptations, and those sins that so easily entangle us, and we all have those. And yes, we need to do the work that it takes to go forward here. Uh, for just a couple of examples, in the Conquer series, for men, we, the men learned how, to, how pornography's addictions impact, take your, for your brain to heal from those, from those chemical addictions from That habit takes two to five years to repair your brain physiologically. So there's work to be done. Okay? We're here to do it together. But you're free from forgiveness. Um, Another example is you may need marriage counseling or anger counseling to develop skills to avoid making new wounds. You got that? But now we know about forgiveness. And your church is with you all the way. And most importantly, God is with you all the way demonstrating that his grace is inexhaustible. But for today, let's be thrilled and worship God now for revealing how to forgive ourselves. Tristan's going to come, and he's going to close us in one more worshipful time of prayer uh, during the first closing song before we all sing the second song. So I'm going to let his first song be our closing prayer today. It's been a pleasure.